You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday for worship at 8.30 or 10.45. Find out more at asburybosier.org. Good morning. Uh, It's good to be with you as we continue our series, Ugly Christmas Sweater. Uh, Today's Ugly Christmas Sweater, we talk about the tree of hope. Uh, Therefore, I'm wearing a Christmas tree with symbols from Star Wars Episode Four, A New Hope. You're welcome for the layers of meaning uh, that you see before you. Our scripture lesson today comes from the book of Isaiah, the 11th chapter, beginning with the first verse. It'll be on the screens, it'll be online, and it will also be in your Bible. Let us hear the word of the Lord. A shoot shall come out of the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, and their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, And the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I hold a very deep appreciation and love of the outdoors namely because the outdoors are outside and they are not inside my home. It's the beauty of the order of the world sometimes, the out is out and the in is in. You know, humanity has spent lots of time perfecting the art of the indoors, like HVAC systems and electric light. And it's, it's best not to muddy the waters about bringing the outdoors in and the indoors out. Truth be told, generally speaking, we like this kind of order in our lives, the out being out and the in being in, or uh, you're 17 years old, you cannot vote, you're 18 years old, you can vote, the border of Louisiana is over here, the border of Texas is over here. We appreciate this kind of order because order makes things simple and expected and defined and clear. And these are not necessarily bad things. The only problem is Advent is not simple or expected or defined or clear. 
You know, at the beginning of Advent, we all, or many of us, do something rather peculiar. Uh, we go into the outdoors and we chop down a tree and bring a tree into the indoors. And in our own little way, whether we are aware or not, we start to muddy and blur the lines of this order that many of us hold dear. Of course, order eventually wins because uh, if the tree is not nurtured, if you don't put enough water in it, it will eventually die. And what was outside that was brought inside will now from the inside need to be brought outside, either to the curb or through coastal restoration ministries. But for a moment, the lines between what we have drawn, the lines that we have drawn between out and in and all of these things that we order our lives around, at least for a moment, at least for a time, become blurred. The season of Advent to the rest of the liturgical calendar is kind of like poetry against a blueprint. A blueprint is exact and precise, and it has to be. Here are where the walls need to be. This is how tall, this is how long. You can't build a house without a blueprint. Poetry is a terrible way to build a house (laughs) because poetry leaves things to interpretation and it bends the rules a bit. But poetry is what makes a house a home, if you can forgive the cliché. Advent is like poetry in the sense that we hope for something that has already happened. And that doesn't, that equation doesn't fit on a blueprint. Specifically, an Advent hope is an exercise in poetry because against what the data is reporting, against what our eyes see and what our ears hear, hope offers a different narrative. It's like that great scene in uh, Fellowship of the Rings from Lord of the Rings. I warned you, I told you it was coming, and here it is. Uh, The Fellowship of the Ring, the nine who have been chosen to bring this ring of Mordor into the crack of Mount Doom and destroy evil forever, they go into the mines of Moria and they lose their way. They're lost. They've been fighting monsters. They've been slipping out of uh, the reach of the ring wraiths. And here they are in the depths of the earth, and they don't know where to go. So Frodo says, I wish the ring had never come to me. I wish none of this had happened. And Gandalf says, so do all who live in such times, but that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. There are other forces at work in the world besides the forces of evil. Bilbo was meant to find the ring, in which case you were also meant to have it. And that is an encouraging thought. This is why the book of Isaiah is important. This is why Isaiah's ministry was important. During the time of Isaiah, Israel in the north and Judah in the south had become two separate kingdoms. And two kingdoms who sometimes were at war with each other. Assyria, that great capital of evil, uh, the, the, the capital city being Nineveh, if you remember from the story of Jonah, that great and terrible city. Assyria had destroyed Israel. And Assyria was knocking on the door of Judah. 
And it looked like Judah's demise was imminent. It looked like Jerusalem was going to fall. Scripture even says that the mighty trees have been cut down to stumps. What does Isaiah do? Isaiah offers poetry. He offers hope. A shoot shall come up from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow up out of its roots. And it's not just any shoot, it's not just any leader. This new shoot, or Nazareth, which means new shoot, will have the Spirit of the Lord resting upon him. The shoot will know wisdom, not just information. He will have understanding, not just data. He will judge not by what the eyes see and the ears hear. He will not just offer the word of God, but will be the poetry of God. Where the ordered lines between the humanity and the divine will be blurred in his own person. So where humanity ends and divinity begins, or vice versa, is indistinguishable. When the tree is placed in our living rooms, it is a signaling that the lines that we have drawn in the world have now become blurred. And we are finally ready for hope. As I mentioned last week, we begin Advent with peace because we have to be at peace with ourselves, we have to be at peace with our neighbor, and we have to be at peace with our God so that we have the holy imagination for hope. In other words, peace offers the order necessary for hope then to begin bending the rules. You have to know what to hope for. Hope has no ethical value in and of itself. You can hope for a lot of things. You can hope for peace on earth. You can also hope that you have an opportunity to burn your enemy's city to the ground. Hope needs help. Peace offers the order necessary for hope to begin doing its work. For example, seminary is at least three years. It's a, it's a minimum three-year sentence. <laughs> it's, it, it's at least three years. In that first year, you go to seminary, you learn New Testament, you learn Old Testament, you learn theology, you learn church history, and you begin to uh, understand uh, with a survey of Scripture, you begin to understand how the church has grown, you understand true and right doctrine, and of course, Duke Divinity School taught true and right doctrine as opposed to all those other riffraff schools. True and right doctrine. After that first year of seminary, you, metaphorically, have built a God box. And your understanding of God fits quite precisely in that box. You leave that first year of seminary saying, all I need is a microphone and a Bible, and I'm going to go start a church. You're ready. You know the truth. And you've placed it in your God box and you are ready. And then you go back for your second year of seminary. And your seminary professors take a sledgehammer to the box that you have built. And they expand your mind. And you look at what you've learned last year of who are the true believers and who are the heretics. And, and then you, now you're not so sure. So you build another God box, and maybe it's a little bit bigger than the God box you built in the first year, but then what happens is your professor breaks that one apart too. 
So you build another God box with all the things that you're learning and that is broken down and you build another one and that one's broken down and you keep doing this so on and so forth until you finally realize that God cannot be put in a box. So you stop building it. You realize that God is bigger. God doesn't fit in a box at all. Think about math. The same thing happens with with math. You know, in first grade, you're taught to put the big number on top of the little number when you're doing subtraction, right? But then something magical and weird and strange happens in second grade. Your teacher starts to write the little number on top and then the big number on bottom. And at first you think uh, your teacher's making a mistake, but it is not a mistake. You're just now learning about negative numbers. You thought numbers go this way, but then you're introduced to a number line that goes this way, and it has arrows on the ends because numbers go in both directions to infinity. And then you learn about things like irrational numbers. And then you learn things like imaginary numbers. And then none of your equations have any numbers in them at all. We build a box, we tear it apart. We build a box and we tear it apart. It's exhausting until you finally realize that God doesn't fit in a box at all. We need those boundaries and borders of peace so that we can begin to truly hope for an everlasting peace. Being at peace helps us discern the difference between a hope that poetically defies the rules and a chaos that is only destructive. I talk about bringing a tree into your living room, but what happens if you don't have a living room? One of the reasons why we are collecting clothing for our downtown friends is a reminder that we must be at peace with our neighbor, and part of that peace is keeping chaos at bay. The chaos of not knowing where your next meal is coming from. The chaos of not knowing if you will be safe because you are living outdoors. The chaos of keeping the weather at bay. May the tree that we bring in from the outside be a hopeful reminder that there are some things that are outside that should be in. And not simply returned to the outside when the season is over. As many of us do with our tree. I pray that we seek peace so we know what to hope for. Hope is poetry, not chaos. Hope is the kind of language that inspires and builds and ignites to the point where change is no longer needed. Can you imagine a world that doesn't need charity because all already have what they need? Hope is a destination when you finally discover that you don't need to build a God box anymore because all have realized that God is simply bigger even than our own imaginations. Listen to the vision that Isaiah gives the people. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp and the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den They will not hurt or destroy on my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of God as the waters cover the sea. 
peace, brings us into hope, and that hope reveals an everlasting peace. You no longer need to put God in a box against someone else's God box because the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord. The Christmas tree is a tree of hope because as long as it is nurtured, it is evergreen. It carries upon itself the symbols of our faith. It shows us for what to hope. This is also beautiful. This is a beautiful thing about our angel tree uh, that is in the narthex. As the ornaments disappear from that tree, so does need in our community. The more bare the tree becomes, the more fulfilled the community is. And eventually the tree will be completely bare, its branches removed, a crossbar fixed upon it, and it will be the tree upon which Jesus dies. And then three days is raised for us. A tree from the outside is indeed a beautiful and hopeful picture. What's even more beautiful is a tree that has no ornaments on it because the story is obvious and the needs of our people are being met. And what's even more beautiful than that is a tree that is outside and it's not chopped down and it's allowed to flourish and grow right where it is because the poetry of Advent isn't about bringing the outside in but the inside going out where the church itself has no walls because we have finally realized after building and destroying our God box over and over again that God just doesn't fit in a box. God cannot be Contained. After all, our ultimate hope is that heaven and earth will be one. God will be with God's people, and Emmanuel will be with us. I'll end today with a prayer from Walter Brueggemann, that great Old Testament professor, and his prayer is based on our scripture reading today. Hear these words. Be a carrier of wisdom, not just knowledge. Be an agent of understanding and not just data. Take on the fear of the Lord, a sense that there is something out there and beyond us who ultimately governs. Watch for the poor and make a difference. Watch for the meek and be a voice for the voiceless. Embrace the lamb and summon the wolf to newness of life. Enfold the kid and deal with the leopard. Watch for the hissing snake and pray for an end to poison. And also, watch for the child. The child would lead them. So watch for the child. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, author of a holy peace, may we be at peace with ourselves, at peace with our neighbor, and at peace 
with you so that we have the foundation necessary for a holy hope. A hope that defies category, a hope that goes beyond the walls we like to build, a hope in which we will all be one. You will be our God and we will be your people. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us so that we might have this hope, so that we might go out into the world. Those of us who are indoors, may we go outdoors and be beacons of this hope so that all might know of the child who is to come, the child who is, the child who will always be your Messiah. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.